NFL Week 16 coming up, and in case you couldn't tell by our attire, we're coming to you a day early ahead of Christmas this week. And Chris, as we record this today on Festivus, maybe a fitting show to kick it off with the airing of grievances, the NFL's relentless news cycle continuing once again. Well, uh, to fall in line with our talk on your podcast about casino giveaway uh, booze, uh, this is Casino Giveaway Christmas with the Palms. So, <laughs> nice. I, I'm not sure what which one is worse, the booze or the shirt or the sweater. But the, <laughs> yeah, this is a horrible, horrible week. I, I, I can't keep up with everything that's going on. I'm getting news faster than it hits Twitter. It, and you, you just don't know what to do with it because there's so much news going every direction. You don't know how to account for it all. And it has been very hectic. And it, Basically, you just have to be in a hurry-up-and-wait mode when it gets to be this chaotic. Yeah, and Scott, I want to hear your thoughts on this, too. First off, dig in the hat, loving the holiday <laughs> spirit. And uh, it's been tough to get in that holiday spirit with some of this news we've seen recently. What do you make of the current landscape on the Week 16 betting board? Well, first of all, Chris, the booze will eventually go away when you drink it. The sweater will last for the rest of your life, so uh, maybe the sweater's better. Um yeah, it's crazy. I took a 40-minute phone call earlier this morning and then refreshed uh, the, one of the websites I use, and I'm like, oh, my God, here's like three more COVID uh, issues with fairly significant people. So it's it's just um, it's never-ending, and you got to keep checking, and it almost makes you hesitate to, to really put any bets in until you get almost close to game time and or at least the last round of testing so you know who's playing and who's not playing because – uh, at any moment's notice, a top quarterback or someone could be gone. And we, you know, I'm not saying Taysom Hill's a top quarterback, but that's a very good example. And their starting quarterback is out. Um, and that could happen all the way up to Sunday morning. So uh, it's tough to deal with. Yeah, well, in true festivist spirit, it may take some feats of strength to deliver some good winners with uh, the murky landscape we're dealing with right now. But let's take a look at our records year to date and see if we can't build on some good recent momentum. Again, it's just a crazy, crazy betting landscape right now across pretty much all sports. We're certainly feeling it with the NFL, but the good news, we're all in this together, so we'll do our best to identify some opportunity in the middle of all this chaos. And as we make our way there to our YouTube audience, thanks for tuning in. Please take a quick moment to give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and as always, feel free to jump in that chat as we hit the Week 16 board. And before we get to this weekend's games, a friendly reminder if you're looking for breakdowns on tonight's game between the 49ers and Titans or the Christmas doubleheader, Browns Packers and Colts Cardinals. We broke those games down on our Tuesday show, so we'll get right to the early window on Sunday, kicking that off with Tampa Bay, Carolina. The Bucks currently laying 10.5 at even money at BetUS, total 43. And Scott, what do you make of this NFC South showdown? Well, you know, it's, it's uh, there's not so much COVID issues here. Carolina had a couple of COVID issues this morning, but nothing super significant. Uh, more injury on the injury front for Tampa Bay. We've got to see what's happening with Mike Evans. Antonio Brown missed a practice today, but I think he, he'll. I think he's going to be good to go. They of course lose Fournette, uh, so we've got to shore up some of that stuff. My numbers, you know, really regardless, still favor Tampa Bay in this game. I don't think I'm making a play on Tampa Bay. But, you know, I was looking back and noticed um, under Matt Rule as a home dog for Carolina against playoff teams, and Tampa Bay is going to be a playoff team here. They, they've lost by 23. That was the Tampa Bay last year. Uh, lost by 26 to New Orleans last year and lost by 18 at home this year to New England. 
So they have not been real competitive um, against the better teams when they come in listed as a home dog uh, at home. Obviously, the price here is pretty steep. Uh, I still show a little bit of value with Tampa, but uh, like I said, in, in Tampa, in some ways, their offense hasn't been in a great mode here lately, uh, and they've got some fairly significant injuries that they're dealing with on defense with uh, Levante David. Antonio Winfield missed last game. He could miss this game as well. So for all those reasons, I'm not going to make a play, but I still lean towards uh, Tampa Bay in this game just based solely on my numbers and how Carolina has reacted to this type of level of competition uh, since Rule got there last year. You touch on the slew of Tampa Bay injuries, and that takes me back to a point from our division preview. I noted that the Bucks, you know, the two things that could possibly derail them this season. One, does age finally catch up with Tom Brady? That's a clear no. Uh, <laughs> but two, they were the healthiest team in the league last year, and does injury regression ever hit them like a brick wall? And I feel like we're seeing that now. But the Panthers might be an opponent where that doesn't matter a whole lot. Cam Newton last week, less than three net yards per pass less than 50% completions. So I'm not sure the Panthers are going to put up too much resistance on a beleaguered Bucks team. Chris, what are you looking for in this one? Um, I'm going to sit this one out for sure. But, you know, a couple of comments that I had to make is uh, Carolina has been the third worst team over the last uh, five weeks uh, on my charts. And Tampa Bay's in the bottom 10 uh, in loss of value over the last five weeks also. And they've slowly dropped to number eight on my on my uh, top 10 list uh, on metrics. So uh, with these additional problems that's happening with Tampa and the uncertainty, um, it's just something to keep an eye on. Unfortunately, I've got a uh, Tampa Bay to win the conference bet that I'm uh, very concerned about because uh, there's a lot of cracks here uh, uh, in the pavement, so to speak. But uh, I, I can't do anything with this game. Yeah, well, on that note, let's move right along. Another division showdown, another double-digit favorite uh, at a lot of books where this game is currently listed. But when we look at Giants-Eagles, currently at BetUS, off the board. And, Chris, uh, if we do see this open back in the range where we had previously seen it, uh, any look at the side or total or any thoughts that could potentially be actionable when the Giants take on the Eagles? Well, it's... Uh, it, it, it's it, it's a tough one. It'll it'll come back up at nine and a half or ten, and uh, it boy that seems like a hell of a lot of points. Uh, where normally you're going to jump right in and take the Giants in a divisional game like this, uh, but uh, you know the Giants are a shell of themselves. Uh, they just you know they just can never show up healthy. Um, you know I see no value in this whatsoever. Unfortunately, I'd love to. Uh, offer some uh, great insight on this but you know Phil, both of these teams are just playing middle of the road and and and, and uh, Philadelphia was rated higher over the previous five weeks uh, but after the Washington game they they dropped a little bit uh, showed they were a little bit uh, uh, you know come coming back to earth so to speak um, but to not waste any more time, I just can't see any direction I would even consider playing this game. Fair enough. Yeah, initially I thought with this being the Eagles' second game in six days, the Giants might be in a better spot. But to your point, you know, they're beat up and they're not so fresh and healthy in their own right. I will note that the Eagles dominated Washington on Tuesday. I think we were lucky to get out of that one with a push. So if anything, I would look to lean the Eagles way, but not interested in laying a big number in this kind of matchup, especially because, Scott, 
the Eagles offense has been on quite a roll lately, but the last time they were really held in check did come against this opponent, the New York Giants. Yeah, they Philly, and I, and I saw this stat the other day, and I didn't double-check this, but I think they've rushed for 175 yards or more in a game. I don't know, it's like four or five games in a row. So the offense is on a roll. Was kind of impressed with Hurts uh, on uh, whatever that was, Tuesday night, I guess. They've scored 27 or more in four of their last five games. And like you said, Matt, the one game they didn't score, uh, they only scored seven at the Giants, uh, ironically. So, uh, and I was just looking back here. Philly's played a fair amount of good teams at home. They've only been a home favorite twice this year against the Saints a few weeks ago. They won that game 40 to 29. And then on Tuesday against Washington, winning 27 to 17. Um, And against the worst offenses that they've played this year, and the Giants are going to simply, are are certainly going to qualify into that bucket. Uh, They've allowed six to Atlanta, six to Detroit, and 13 to these Giants in New York a few weeks ago. So, I don't see Philly giving up a whole lot of points here considering the mess that the Giants are in offensively. They're going to face a little bit more resistance here from a defensive team uh, with the Giants than the Washington team that they faced uh, a couple days ago and then the Jets before that. I actually make this total about 38, I think. So, you know, maybe a little bit of value to the under if we're we're getting something over 40. Um, But no play for me. A little bit of value to the Giants. But as Chris said, they're a mess. Um... At the end of the day, though, you still have an average team here at 7-7 and laying possibly 10 points, which still seems like a lot of points. Um, I would look under if if I did anything, but no play for me currently. Yeah, well, let's move on and keep the double-digit favorite train rolling. The Chargers at the Texans. Chargers currently a 10-point road favorite at BetUS, total 46. And Scott, in the Chargers' last game, it seems like they left a lot of points on the field. But against this opponent, they might get those points all back and then some. Yeah, I mean, this is a very good offense for the Chargers. Now, we've got some COVID issues here. we got to deal with the center, Corey Lindsley. Uh, Eckler, uh, I think, is out. Uh, we know Joey Bosa's out on the defensive side. So, uh, But Brandon Cook's also out, it looks like, because he's got COVID with Houston. He's obviously probably their best offensive weapon. Um, but Houston, you know, when they played good offenses like this, this year, they've allowed 40 to Buffalo, 31 twice to Indianapolis. Uh, 31 to Arizona, 38 to the Rams. That averages out about 34 points a game. Um, I don't see any reason why the Chargers can't get into the 30s in this game if they care, and I think they're going to care because they're fighting for the playoffs here. Um, So they should put up plenty of points. I would look at a team total points here. It's probably going to – if it comes in at 28.5, so let's just say anything under 30, I would consider uh, the Chargers on over on their team total, assuming we don't have any more – huge issues offensively with them from a COVID standpoint. So I would look that way possibly. And Houston has just not been competitive this year as seven plus point home dogs. They've lost by 20, 31, 16, three and 15. Uh, So they haven't come really closer uh, to an offense that is similar to the Chargers, closer than 16 this year. I would lean Chargers way if we don't get decimated from the COVID standpoint. And I would lean over on the team total as long as it's under 30 for the Chargers. Yeah, it looks like it's 27 and a half to 20. Okay, that's a pretty good number then, yeah. And, Scott, you touched on COVID issues for the Chargers, my initial reaction, and maybe this is the fan in me, but if ever there was a week for a team to get a bit of a COVID outbreak, this is probably the best spot you could pick if you're looking the Chargers' way here. Uh, they do still need to put forth you know, an honest effort and not take things too lightly, but I think of, uh, Chris, you, you calling out their special needs teams uh, in recent shows that we've done. I found some interesting nuggets. Actually, since their week seven bye, 
24th in EPA. And if we look at the last five weeks, which is a time frame you'll often look at to get a read on teams' recent form, 16th. So if this offense can just be, you know, uh, excuse me, if this special teams unit can just be average to below average as opposed to the worst in the league by a mile, there might be some upside there. I'm reminded of a moment in Arrested Development where they celebrate being upgraded from sell to don't buy. That might be the case for the Chargers special teams unit these days. <laughs> that is pretty good. I, I, you know, for me on this, uh, you know, I still have Houston rated as the worst team in the league, but uh, they've gained the sixth most amount of value over the last five weeks somehow, if you can make any sense out of that. Um, but again, another game, I, I would have liked to have been involved in this uh, in, in a teaser aspect, but uh, the line's too high on it. And, you know, when you get into this no man's land uh, uh, with the Chargers, especially on the road, Houston's showing spunk. And that's not something I want to get involved in with a, a team that's just unpredictable. You know, the Chargers aren't, uh, you know, a workhorse that throttles teams. They, they, they have their missteps also. So I, I can't really support the Chargers laying that many points. And, and, but I could also see, uh, uh, I could see them, you know, giving them a thrashing. But uh, so, I, again, I hate to sound like a broken record this week. I like to put in a lot of plays. I, I have to pass this one entirely. Well, hey, one I'll, team. I'll, oh, go ahead, Scott. Uh, sorry, Matt. I was just going to add, you know, and I don't think Brandon Cooks is going to play, so that probably makes this no. a, a moot point. But um, the Chargers defense is not good. And. You know, if the Chargers can put up 30 points, you don't need a whole lot from Houston and maybe some of it just in mop-up duty to get over the total as a whole as well. So might be another way to look at it. I feel a little bit better about our Chargers team total than the total as a whole. But um, 46, I mean, I, and I make the number about 46 here, but um, that might be another way to look at it as well. Davis Mills has actually looked okay at times uh, in recent weeks. So yeah. maybe he could do some. And there's no Bosa, remember, as well. So. I have Houston with a better defense than the Chargers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, some total opportunities to look at courtesy of Scott in this matchup. And there's going to be a side courtesy of Chris in our next game, that involving his Detroit Lions taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons currently laying five and a half, total 43. Chris, probably not going to be too much of a surprise for this audience, but let us know who you like in this one. Well, I can't believe this. They did a recent poll on uh, Campbell's, the coach's approval, 99% approval. I'm, I'm not sure you'd find another head coach in, in any on any team with 99% approval. I, I thought that that was amazing. So it just goes to show that while they have not had a great season, there, there's a euphoria of of, of what's going to happen down the line. Just Everybody's just playing happy. And uh, Goff, since the bye, has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And uh, he won several awards for Player of the Week last week. If anybody saw the quick highlights uh, films of the game against Arizona, it was impressive. He, he I don't know where that guy came from. Unfortunately... They have to wait until five minutes after I bet the darn game to announce that Goff has the COVID. So uh, I already played my hand on this at uh, four and a half and moved the market down to three and a half. And uh, then they announced Goff is out. And uh, fortunately, they say he has very few symptoms. He said he was feeling fine. 
Um, and he has a chance to play, and I hope that he does play. Uh, they're getting. It looks like uh, Swift is on track to come back, and a couple of other their players are on on track to come back. They're overall going to be a little healthier. The attitude is great. And the more I think about it, I had the metrics. I had Detroit rated higher than Atlanta before last week. So stretch them out. You know, Atlanta gets blown out. Detroit beats Arizona. I, I've got, uh, you know, six or seven teams worse than the Lions, believe it or not. Uh, they do do some things well. They were shooting themselves in the paw game after game. But uh, they're not atrocious. And uh, this Atlanta team, it, it, it you know, is pretty much. So uh, even with the backup quarterback, if the backup quarterback plays, I would take Detroit. I have Detroit favored in this game on my metrics uh, uh, with Goff in the lineup and and getting points even with the backup, uh, it, it to me is a bargain. You've mentioned in the past that when you take underdogs against the spread, you'll often play about 20% on the money line as well. And a case like this where we have a sizable underdog and you think it should be the favorite, do you take a little bit more of the money line? Um, I haven't yet. Uh, it's certainly something I sh- I'm looking at. I, I, I wish I could get the slightest tidbit of whether Goff's going to be in or not because uh, the line where you can find it is around five and a half, six right now. If they announce golf is out, uh, then that's going to be a lot of added value, and it you know might soar over the seven. Uh, but if they announce golf is in, this line was headed to three before beforehand. It's going to go down to back down to three and a half, three. So I'd love to get a long money line in now. Yeah, and Chris, if the Lions aren't careful, they might play their way out of the first pick in the draft. I believe they're already out of that number one slot based on last week's results with their win and another Jags loss. Yeah, but you know what? They they, they want to draft that Michigan guy uh, who got the second most amount of Heisman votes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but if they had the number two pick, you also I think they'd be interested in the guy from Oregon also. So it's not like it's it's a Trevor Lawrence uh, situation where you know he's going to turn the National Football League over immediately like he has in Jacksonville. Yeah, and Dan Campbell and the Lions' current players certainly not in the business of trying to protect next year's draft positioning. We've seen them compete week after week, and I do fully expect that to continue. Of course, as you touched on this one, largely hinges on whether Goff is in or out. As far as things go for the Falcons, I do want to acknowledge they got pretty unlucky last week in my book. They were 0 for 3 on 4th down, 1 for 5 in the red zone, compared to 4 for 5 in the red zone for the 49ers. That said, I'm just not sure I can see the Falcons getting out to this big of a favorite over anybody in the league, especially a team playing, weird to say this, but playing like the Lions have been lately definitely has me leaning Detroit's way at the moment. And Scott, Detroit, uh, it seems like when they play bad teams, they can hang pretty tight. The Falcons might be a pretty ideal opponent for them. Yeah, and and by the way, Chris, I I just want to know, how did it work out the last time Detroit took a quarterback from Oregon? Just, uh, uh... uh, what was his name? Joey Heatherton? Joy, Joy Harrington. <laughs> Joey Heisman. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I was looking today. I was kind of shocked by this. Detroit has only played one team this year below 500 currently. And that just happens to be the Bears, who they, of course, have played twice. Uh, and they lost by 10 and two points to them. So they played a very tough schedule this year. And we know, um, you know, they got a pretty good spread record. Now, some of those spread wins, I think, were higher spreads. But they're still roughly two and three or something against uh, teams with a lower spread. 
And Atlanta, you know, against the worst teams they played this year, yeah, they've been okay. They beat the Giants by three on the road. They beat the Jets by seven. Lose by six to Carolina. Came back and beat Carolina by eight shortly after that. Beat Jacksonville by seven. So they're not destroying these bad teams when they play them. I and mean, obviously, they're an equally bad team. So there's not a lot of room for error if you are taking Atlanta here um, to win by a big margin. So I'm not necessarily comfortable there. Um, against these similar type offenses that Atlanta has played this year, uh, similar to Detroit, they allowed 14 to both uh, the Giants and the Jags, and Detroit kind of comes in similar in that in that uh, realm. So, and, and David Blau, I think his only games he started were back in 2019. He's played a few games uh, since then, but didn't start. He's averaged about 16 points a game when he's played. Obviously, that was uh, a little bit different offense a couple of years ago. I, if this total is going to sit at 43, and it's going to come down, obviously, if Goff is announced out, but I would look under in this total. Atlanta's not doing a whole lot in terms of scoring a whole bunch of points here. And and Detroit's, you know, like like Chris says, they're, they're a scrappy team. They played pretty well, um, considering all factors. So I think this total might be a little bit high. I've got it closer to about 41, and I would look under maybe, um, especially if Goff's out, and you could stay on top of this and, and get a 43 before uh, it starts coming down if they announce he's out. Yeah, but, you know, Detroit's offense has picked up quite a bit, and uh, it's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, um, uh, they're middle of the road uh, with offense. What do you What do you think they're going to do if, if Goff doesn't play offensively? And I and I have no idea other than – I know Blau's not as good, obviously, right? So I'm just curious what you think about a upward-trending offense if Goff doesn't play. You know what? I'm not sure, but, you know – when you get these teams in this situation where it's all hands on deck every week, now all of a sudden you have a full roster of people that have in-game experience. Yeah. And, you know, over the course of a season, that becomes very valuable. So, you know, they have the advance notice and preparation to prepare without golf. And you have all the entire team has played and started at some point in time. And now you're getting back starters. You would think, that that would benefit them, you know, even if Goff is not able to play, that they've got things up their sleeves. I mean, their yeah. running game was fine without Swift somehow. You know, they, they lose yeah. Hawkinson and they, their passing game's fine. You, they're pulling, you know, rabbits out of hat every week. Yeah, and the offensive line's pretty well intact right now. So, um, you know, to your point, they can they can function and operate an offense a little bit. I agree. Yep. We've got just a lean on the total in this game from Scott. And the next game on the board, we'll get to a play on the total from him. And that next game would be a big AFC North showdown. The Ravens at the Bengals, Cincinnati laying three, total 45. Scott, where are you looking on that total? I'm going to look over 45 in the total. I think it's a, a fairly low total here. Obviously, if Lamar Jackson doesn't start, you know that could impact that. Although I thought Huntley looked pretty good last week. Um, I'll just throw some things out there in case Lamar starts as well, just, uh, for notice, uh, he's eight and one against the spread as a road dog. The only loss was by five points. So I'm mentioning that if this number comes back down, um, and I see a little two and a half here, but if this comes down to two and a half where he can tease it and Lamar Jackson plays, I think Baltimore also could be in line from a, from a teaser perspective. Again, I'll kind of state what I just said there, eight and one against the spread as a road dog with Jackson. Only lost by five points to Kansas City in 2019. They're 12-2-1 against the Spreaders, a road dog going back to 2017 with no straight-up loss by more than eight points in those 15 games. Again, kind of supporting possibly a teaser play here if you can get the two-and-a-half if the number comes down. 
from an over perspective, just looking back in games that Burrow has started at home against teams that finished 500 or above, which Baltimore uh, potentially could do here, um, or they're currently 500 or above in, in looking at this this year's games. They're six and two to the over. They've totaled 47 or more points um, in all those games. The two unders were just totals that were 49 and a half and 50, and they totaled 47 and 49 uh, in those games. So they're scoring points here uh, at home with Burrow against good competition. And as far as you know, both these teams, Cincinnati against the better offenses that they've faced this year, they've allowed an average of almost 26 and a half points a game. Baltimore against the better offenses have allowed 28 points a game. And we know that defense is completely decimated. They might get Calais Campbell, uh, Calais Campbell back, uh, but Tavon Young got hurt, concussion protocol in the secondary to go along with all the other injuries we know about in the secondary. I think Cincinnati can score some points here uh, as well. We don't have a team total here in Cincinnati. I would maybe consider that, but for show purposes here, and I, I still think it's a, a decent bet, over 45 or anything under that is a is a pretty good bet, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm leaning with you in that direction right now. Might get in play on the over 45 as well. And as far as the side goes, also, of course, a factor affecting the total. You touched on the quarterback uncertainty for the Ravens. If Huntley goes again, I have to think it's got to be pretty simple for a defense to adjust into the way the Packers didn't adjust late last week. I mean, if you just take away his running and cover Mark Andrews, seems like there's not much else there. So I think uh, even if the if the Bengals can just do the basics, if it is Huntley, I like their ability to possibly build a bit of a margin in this one. But Scott, you touch on that Ravens defense. I mean, it's a mash unit right now, and it has me uh, wondering if we all remember when the Ravens' backfield was the biggest concern on that team because it has just trickled down across pretty much the rest of the roster ever since then. And Chris, I'll kick it over to you to see what you think of this one um, on the note that Joe Burrow recently dropped one of the better backhanded compliments I can recall <laughs> recently, saying the Bengals' COVID count pretty low thanks to a lack of nightlife in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I think I'm going to follow suit with uh, what benefited me last week. And uh, if Jackson's out, that line's just going to slide up and, and probably overreact. Uh, and... Uh, I'm gonna. I'm only looking Baltimore's way in this game. Uh, it's just a matter of whether I'm able to catch it as fast enough when they announce Jackson is in, or I wait for the bloated line to appear. You know, once it. You know, if it soars over four, you know, that'd be great. So, uh, I. I don't know how Baltimore does it. They do it with smoke and mirrors every week. Uh, uh, but there's. You know. Two-point conversions aside, they're a very well-coached team, and uh, um, they do a lot of things well, and they don't just depend on Jackson, obviously. And his replacement is playing himself into, you know, uh, quite a dilemma on what are they going to do with this guy because he's going to be, you know, desired around the league because he he obviously should be starting someplace. So, um so that's where I see the game. I'm, I'm Baltimore or bust, uh, and it doesn't matter. It probably doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If Jackson's in, what do you make the line? And if Huntley's in, what do you make that line? Um, I don't know where that line will go. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I would probably play Baltimore up to pick. I think Baltimore can win the game if Jackson's in in, in the lineup. I don't think it. They might not fall that far. I, I, 
because I think there's going to be questions on, well, okay, yeah, he's back, but he hasn't played in a while, hasn't practiced, and, you know, they're only going to give him so much credit. Uh, um, I don't think the swing on this line is as big as we've seen for other games in this situation because the backup seems more than uh, able to manage things. So uh, I was discussing with other people that wondered if it would go up to five, five and a half, and I think that that would be nuts. I, I'd be jumping up and down if I saw a four and a half. Yeah, certainly something worth keeping an eye on in the coming days. And I think something we'll circle back on at the end of the show. But uh, Chris, uh, you and myself, and of course, Scott as well, if we have any plays uh, that we haven't locked in yet because of all the uncertainty, keep an eye out in the comment section below this video because we may add anything in. Uh, and that's the place where we would do it. So maybe some Ravens bets coming in the comments once we're done recording this episode as we get news on who's under center for Baltimore. Moving on to the next game on the board, the Rams at the Vikings, a big NFC showdown with playoff implications. This one currently off the board at BetUS, but Scott, it seems like where the total had been, and given some of your handicap, maybe a look at a potential over in this one, depending on the number we see when the line reopens. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's unfortunate Delvin Cook is uh, going to be out because of COVID. Uh, obviously a very good running back, had a massive game, not last week, but two weeks ago against Pittsburgh. Uh, but Alexander Madison now is back. Um, he's not Delvin Cook, but he's still very, very capable uh, on this team. And I, you know, we're playing in a in a perfect environment here. Um, I made the number before this went off the board about 15 and a half points. So not a ton of value over 49 points necessarily. But um, I think just from a profile standpoint. There's a chance both these teams can score a fair amount of points here. Since McVay arrived in L.A., his teams have allowed 27 points per game uh, when playing on the road as favorites against above-average offenses, which we're going to get here um, in Minnesota. And that means it's also he's given up 30 points a game this year in that same role. Road favorite against good offenses. So teams are scoring on when they go on the road. And Minnesota here, um, against when they played good offenses – uh, this year, they've allowed an, ad, allowed an average of 30 points a game. Um, we're getting some reinforcements back on the Rams, of course. Uh, I'd love to see Havenstein, the right tackle, come back. Love to see Higby come back at tight end. Uh, currently, I don't believe either one of those are, um, but that would only enforce this. But I think there's a chance in a perfect environment both these teams can score some points. And uh, if this thing opens up 49 or less, which I think it probably will now with Cook out, um, I think there's some value on the over. I'm just going to take a wait-and-see approach here a little bit just to make sure everything's okay. But um, I definitely lean over, and we'll probably be involved in the over as well. Yeah, it looks yeah, like you I, can get a 48-and-a-half on it uh, quite possibly. Yeah. And I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with a side that I like in this one, definitely looking the Vikings' way. I did see some news right as we were about to go live that the Rams have designated Cam Akers for return but I'm not sure that he is going to be able to play or even make much of an impact uh, in this game. So just something worth keeping in mind for the Rams moving forward. And also with the Rams in this one, their second game in six days. And not only that, but they played late on Tuesday. They're in the early window on Sunday, plus traveling multiple time zones that could really disrupt their routine. And I know they're on a pretty decent win streak here, but if we look at the recent form of some of the teams they've beaten, the Jags, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, um, maybe about as underwhelming as a three-game win streak could be in the NFL. And the Vikings, of course, coming off a win of their own, but it was ugly. Probably the ugliest cover we'll see all season long on national TV for all to see on Monday night. Um, but I think because everybody saw that, the Vikings uh, might be 
getting you know some negative recency bias sent their way from a lot of the betting marketplace. And we talked about the Rams routine getting disrupted on the short week with some travel. Well, Kirk Cousins, back in his comfort zone as far as his routine goes, well documented that at 1 p.m. Eastern, for some reason, he's just a different animal. So uh, if he's you know if he's close to 100%, that could make a big difference. Don't love that Cook's probably going to be out. I do think that Madison, as you touch on, Scott, probably uh, about as capable of a backup running back as we'll see. So yes, there's a drop-off, but I'm not sure if there's that much of a drop-off involved. And it looks like Thielen, again, could be on track to play, so that could bode very well for the Vikings passing game. To wrap it up, this one was sitting at Vikings plus three, and that was going to be an official play for me here. I still have it in the sights, but now I'm seeing you know, even some books going to three and a half. So if that's just because of Dalvin Cook being out, um, I get an adjustment against the Vikings, but I'll take that hook. Uh, and if and when it becomes more widely available, something I'll probably be dropping in the YouTube comments. Chris, yeah, what are you, I, you know, I agree one? with you. They're very, uh, very capable backup for Cook. Uh, the only difference that you, you have is, you know, Cook can break the big play. So uh, you, you're not, you lose a little bit of big play type capability. Um, I'm not impressed by what the Rams have been doing. You know, uh, this Arizona team may have some real problems. That's their, their, their key win over the last three wins. They lost, they went in, lost three games in a row. They beat up Jacksonville. Who cares? They beat up Arizona a little bit, but you know, the wheels are coming off the bus in Arizona. They've lost four out of seven games and, and they've looked bad. So that may not be much of a win, and they struggled against Seattle. So uh, I, I, I'm leaning toward Minnesota on this one. Uh, I, as you mentioned, if we get a three and a half on it, it's going to be hard to turn that down. Uh, if it sits at three, I really we need to see what players are in and out. So uh, look for an update in the comments section uh, on some additional plays that might involve this game. play would would definitely be conditioned on Thielen I think he's going to come back and if this thing goes to three and a half like you guys said I will be on Minnesota uh with with no worries at all as well all right some good food for thought and we're uh, just sitting ready to pounce on the Vikings here if the market does what we're hoping it will and on that note we'll move on from back-to-back -back games with playoff implications to a game with uh, implications that really only affect the top of the draft order next year the Jags at the Jets, currently off the board at BetUS. Chris, what are you looking for in this one between a couple seller dwellers? Just how glued will you be to your screen and what promises to be a barn burner at MetLife Stadium? Um, well, I'm trying to contain my excitement and uh, I've taken a bunch of Valium. Uh, the, <laughs> I just cannot wait for this game. No, but in all seriousness, I, I was actually looking Jacksonville's direction. Um, I, I wish that that line, it was just ready to hit three before the COVID news broke out on the Jets, and I would have been holding a, uh, a Jacksonville plus three ticket. But uh, at this number of pick, I can't be on Jacksonville, frankly. And uh, you know what? I, I think there needs nothing more to be said by me on this game. I just want to add, if you wouldn't have been so busy trying to put in a bet on your beloved Lions, you probably could have got the bet in on Jacksonville before the COVID news hit, and then you'd be okay, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, the the Grinch on the Christmas episode, but I love I love the uh, the healthy pushback on Chris there, and I'll take the reins for a moment on this one. Uh, looking at the Jags, 
Team total under 20 and a half. I like that up to minus 120 or perhaps taking them under 20 at even money. Uh, that is pretty widely available at this point, even though the game is off the book, uh, off the board at a few books, including BetUS. We're seeing Pick'em 41 and a half where it's available. And Scott, you said on our Tuesday show, this was uh, one of the rare clean COVID games. Certainly not the case anymore with the news we've gotten from the Jets in just these past 48 hours for the Jags. I was wondering if we were going to see the so-called dead cat bounce after they got rid of Urban Meyer, and they just were about as listless as ever against Houston this past Sunday. And now with Brian Schottenheimer calling the plays, uh, we know from his tenure in Seattle, pretty run heavy. That could bode well for James Robinson to finally get more of the workload. But to me, it doesn't bode well for their odds of lighting up the scoreboard. So I like the Jags team total under. And Scott, want to hear what you're expecting from this big showdown between the Jets yeah, and Jets. Yeah, uh, I feel bad for you, Matt. Like, there's going to be all these great games on Sunday, and you're going to be, like, dead center in front of your TV watching the Jags and hoping for less than 20 and a half points or whatever. But, um, <laughs> hey, whatever, whatever it takes Blutting to win for punishment, money, right? yeah. You know? Um, I don't have a whole lot here. I mean, I've, I kind of look back. Jets have actually been decent at home against bad teams um, over the last two, three years. Obviously, this is a different version this year, but they've been competitive. I don't want Jacksonville. I've been on Jacksonville the last two weeks, and that those were mistakes, obviously. I uh, certainly don't want him here getting, you know, basically no points at all. And I don't want the Jets. Jets, 15 people on COVID, obviously, including their head coach. A lot of those guys really weren't super important guys. So um, at least up to this point, that hasn't necessarily impacted the team. But I guess when you got a whole bunch of bad players, you know, uh, you lose a few more, it doesn't really matter. But uh, nothing for me in this game. Well, let's move on then to, in all seriousness, what probably is the marquee game of the week, the rematch between the Bills and Patriots, maybe a de facto AFC East title game. New England currently laying two and a half, total 43 and a half. Scott, what are you looking for in this one? Uh, I'm looking for another team to tease Buffalo with, Matt. That's what I'm looking for here. Me too. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know what that's going to be yet, uh, but I'm hoping I'll find it. Buffalo, since Josh Allen got there, um, they're 10-4-1 against the spread as road dogs with only two of those 15 games uh, resulting in a loss by more than seven. So they've been very competitive on the road as dogs, um, which obviously if we can get them as a teaser, we'd get them at probably eight, eight and a half points here. So to me, that says something. The other interesting thing, just going back to the beginning of last year when Stefan Diggs came and really upped their offense along with obviously Allen uh, getting better, they're 4-0 to the over as a road dog since he joined them. They've scored 27 or more in each of those games. I'm not super confident on taking it over in this game, given New England and whatnot. But, um, you know, New England hasn't played – neither one of these teams have played a super tough schedule. Um, and New England against the better offenses that, that, that they've faced this year, they allowed 19 against Tampa Bay at home, but that was a, a, a bad weather game. They allowed 35 at home to Dallas. Allowed 24, I believe that was uh, out at the Chargers, and then 27 uh, last week to Indy. Yeah, maybe it's 20 points. Allen or uh, um, uh, Taylor, Taylor breaks that run, long run late in the game. And then Buffalo against the better offenses they faced this year: 20 against Kansas City, 34 to Tennessee, 41 to Indy, 33 to Tampa. Um, and we got a fairly low total here, so there could be some points scored here. Uh, but my first option here will be to tease Buffalo. I just need to find a team to tease him with, which I don't currently have right now. 
Yeah, and I'm in play on a Bills teaser. I'll get to that in a moment. Scott, to your point about these teams against the better offenses they faced, you touched on Tampa Bay, uh, you know, pretty much in a big rainstorm against the Patriots, so that certainly suppressed their scoreboard output. The Chargers did put up 24 on New England, but there was a circus catch for a touchdown in garbage time that otherwise would have had the Chargers limited to 17 points in that matchup. And for Buffalo against Kansas City, that was the lightning delay game on Sunday night earlier this year. And that whole second half, again, the field was just a mess. So if we're going to say that New England uh, holding Tampa Bay to 19, not necessarily indicative of how good their defense is, might want to say the same about Buffalo. But that said, I am in play again on a Bills teaser. We'll get to the second leg shortly here. And I do think it's important that Cole Beasley won't be playing. He does matter a little bit. But looking at the other side, the Patriots, very shorthanded at wide receiver, and that could help mask the absence of Trey White in the Bills' secondary. From a teaser standpoint, I like this being a division rematch with a low total. That implies reduced variance, which helps to magnify the value of the points we get in a teaser with the Bills, crossing up through a touchdown with them. And one more thing I just keep an eye on is props become more widely available Pretty much a do-or-die game, so a lot of quarterbacks who are mobile, more willing to run in these situations. Josh Allen, if we see his rushing yards widely available in the range of 35 and a half, at least worth considering the over there. And with that, I'll toss it over to Chris for your look at this big AFC East showdown. Yeah, and you know, uh, you can't use that term lightly. I, I've never been really much of an AFC fan, uh, frankly, but geez, these these matchups we've seen with Buffalo and New England and Kansas City and it, they're exciting. I mean, there's drama. Indianapolis is, you know, I can't wait to see what, what happens with these teams. I, I think people have uh, misperceptions on, on a bunch of teams, uh, and it's just going to be very interesting. A lot of people didn't think the Colts were as good as they are. A lot of people think, uh, you know, Buffalo, you know, was better than they are. And uh, it, it's just interesting. As we mentioned, you got to be ready to pivot. We've been on New England uh, almost every uh, week. And uh, right now, uh, I'm coming close to, to a Buffalo play. I definitely wanted to find a Buffalo teaser for the show. Uh, the only thing I could come up with was matching it with Green Bay, which I've already done one with, and I don't like to really double up. Um, so, But I don't see another team to tease it with. So there's the problem. Um, I had these teams about the same. I mean, these two teams are mirror images of themselves, and I worry about the loss of Beasley. I worry about what's going on with New England. We've got a couple COVID situations, and uh, uh, I worry about the revenge factor. Boy, Buffalo pissed off after that game, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna come full force. Uh, I think the, you know your only lean here really is taking the points. I'd hope to see plus three. And I don't think we're going to see the plus three, and I'm not quite sure I'm going to get involved uh, in the Buffalo plus two, two and a half. Uh, I'm going to have to wait for more information to come out. That'll take us to the end of the early window on Sunday, so we will get ready to move on to the late window. And before we do so, quick time out, reminder to the YouTube audience, give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And as we turn the page to that late slate on Sunday, first game on the board, Chicago at Seattle. The Seahawks currently laying six and a half, total 42 and a half. Chris, a couple teams playing on short weeks. What are you looking for in this one? Um, I want to save time and say I have no interest in this game. The, with the Wilson injury situation and uh, the problems going on with Chicago and the short week this uh, and that, 
and not no judge of motivation whatsoever on either side. I just couldn't possibly hope to find any value uh, with the way I analyze games. So, Passerino. Yeah, similar here. Seattle, again, the even shorter week, even though the Bears played Monday night, Seattle going into its second game in six days. I do think it's noteworthy the Bears got a raw deal against the Vikings on Monday night. If we look at variance and some calls that won against them, so maybe not as bad as that scoreboard would indicate, but tough to uncover any value in this matchup. So with that, Scott, I will pass the baton to you. Uh, I, I'm First of all, I'm waiting to see what we get out of Chicago with uh, you know Allen Robinson and, and some of the uh, Marquise Goodwin, some of the receivers and whatnot. Um, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to end up having a play in this game. But we noted this in the preseason. Chicago, very bad against the good teams. Last year, 7-2 and two straight up versus losing teams. They're 2-0 and oh straight up already this year. I guess that's Detroit, based on what I said before. So they're 9-2. And, and I was just looking back, going all the way back to 2016 with this team, which has been a debacle of a team, you know, for the most part. I know they've made the playoffs a little bit. But they're 8-2 and two against the spread as road dogs since 2016, since 2016, against teams who didn't make the playoffs and finished the season under 500 exactly where Seattle's going to finish this year. So they've been competitive. Seattle just 3-10 and 10 against the spread since 2017 as home favorites of more than six, with only three of those games coming with wins um, by more than three points. So Seattle's not blowing anybody away either. I would maybe consider taking a fly in Chicago if I knew they were somewhat healthy, uh, especially offensively, and I could get six or more points. Um, but I, I don't know if I will be. Certainly won't be on Seattle. I would look Chicago or nothing, and right now it's nothing. Yeah, I should amend my previous comments. Uh, if, if somehow that were to go up to seven, then I would be definitely uh, looking for a way to, to bet the Bears. I just can't uh, – there's no way I could bet Seattle, but uh, I don't think we're going to see a seven. But if we do, that might just happen. I mean, and th- that defense on Monday night was was pretty good. You felt bad for that defense. I mean, they – They just kept tripping over themselves offensively and whatnot. And obviously, if that happens again, we're going to be in a world of hurt if we do get involved with Chicago. But um, this is a team that's playing hard, competitive, and, you know, we'll see. They they have been playing hard. You know, over the last five weeks, they're in the top ten of effort and value gained against the other team. So uh, you're 100% right. Possible, but unlikely that we'll be able to get in play at a valuable number on this one. So we will move on to the next game on the card, an AFC matchup with, again, some playoff implications in that muddled AFC playoff picture. The Steelers at the Chiefs, currently off the board at BetUS. But Scott, we were seeing at totals around 45 where the game is available, and I'm guessing at that number, you might be giving the under some strong consideration. Yeah, you know, I've got this, and this is assuming, uh, what, we got Kelsey and... Um, uh, uh, Hill and, uh, and Hill, yeah, yeah, outright. So because of COVID, we got to see what, if they can play or not. So, but if we can wake up and we can see 45, and we know Hill and Kelsey's out, and total's probably going to start to plummet from there, right? So I get it. Uh, but I've got this thing at about 42 and a half right now. Um, we've talked about this in the past. It didn't come to fruition against the um, Raiders, but did against the Broncos. KC 14 and five to the under is seven point or greater home favorites. This is a little bit different animal here, and I don't even know where this line will go if we get Kelsey and Hill out. Um, but they've allowed 21 or, or more in only five of those 19 games where they've been the big favorites. They've allowed 17 or less in seven of the last nine games, five straight home games where the defense has played pretty well. And they're going to get a Pittsburgh offense that isn't very good. 
Um, and Pittsburgh on the road when they played better defenses and, you know, uh, it sounds kind of funny to say Kansas City's a better defense, but they have played well at home against these lesser offenses, which Pittsburgh is. Um, what have they scored? They scored 23 against Buffalo. We know they got a punt return for a touchdown. So let's make that 16. They scored 17 Green, against Green Bay at Green Bay, 15 against Cleveland, 10 against Cincinnati. I don't see the Steelers scoring a whole lot of points in this game if Kansas City's defense comes to play intact, and we, especially if they get Chris Jones back. Um, and if they're obviously, if they're missing Hill and Kelsey, under 45, I think, is actually going to be a decent play in this game. Yeah, I think this is a case where I'll pivot a bit on the Chiefs defense. I think in recent shows, I've mentioned some reasons why, you know, maybe they've gone from underrated to overrated by the market, but I certainly like their ability to keep the Steelers in check. And to that end, this is the game where I will close out that teaser involving the Bills. Uh, I'm seeing fairly widely available the Patriots in the range of seven and a half to eight and a half point favorites, um, excuse me, the Chiefs in that range. And I was able to get them down to minus one and a half uh, just before we recorded this show. So that's a pretty you know, current bet that I'm endorsing here. I think that a big factor, you touch on the COVID concerns uh, with the Chiefs possibly missing Kelsey and Hill. That might loom large, but I also think it's the reason that the spread isn't as close to double digits as it previously was. And the Steelers having some COVID issues of their own pop up a bit later in the week. And I just wonder if it's a bit of a free roll with the Chiefs having COVID issues show up earlier, if they're the more likely team to have some key players test out and get back into the game, whereas the Steelers less likely to test out if they're getting these issues coming up later in the week. So a smaller than usual bet for me because of this variance with the COVID unknowns, but I do like the Chiefs with the Bills in a teaser. Chris, what are you looking for in this Steelers-Chiefs matchup? Well, yeah, I know. I agree with you there. Uh, the I would I would make that same play. Uh, it that is available at some places, uh, minus two and a half, minus one and a half, depending on where you're going. So, um, actually, it's more one and a half. Is bet as far as betting the, the game straight up, um, th- th- this line's going to jump or or collapse based on these these players and the COVID news. So it really is a tough spot to kind of ride the pains because if you you know if if you like the pittsburgh side it's certainly dropping below a touchdown and it could be as low as four um and if you like kansas city it's gonna hit 10 again so uh it makes it really hard you know this is one of the few times where a teaser makes a lot of sense because at least you're not gonna lose too much value uh if it goes that direction and and you're underneath that three still so um, like you said, uh, I, I definitely uh, like that uh, Buffalo plus the uh, plus the eight and a half with the Kansas City as a teaser. So if you got to play on it, I got to play on it, buddy. Dun, right. dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we got some breaking news. Breaking news. Oh boy. Chris Jones activated. Javarius Ward activated, and I also forgot to mention Lajervia Sneed uh, is going to play in this game as well. So there's. Three key defensive players coming back for Kansas City. Ooh. All right, let's lock in that teaser. I don't know. I almost feel too good about this now. I remember a talking point last week. The more nervous we are, the better we usually do. <laughs> so maybe I should go back to being as nervous as I was a minute ago before Scott's breaking news announcement, but can't help but feeling good about it for the moment. And in a news cycle like this, we'll take any small wins we can get when the news seems to break our way. Chris, you mentioned uh, liking, uh, yeah, that teaser bet as well. And another wager for you on the next game we'll get to, an AFC West matchup pitting the Broncos against the Raiders in Vegas. This one currently at Pick'em, 
total 41 and a half. Chris, it's at Pick'em, so you're basically just picking the outright winner. Who do you think walks out of this one with the victory? Well, this is a, a metric play for me. Uh, I had these teams, you know, a touchdown apart in talent, uh, frankly. This, this Denver defense is highly underrated, quite frankly. I saw a stat someplace uh, out of the corner of my eye that uh, teams the following week after playing Denver are scoring like over, they're giving up like an average of 18 or 19 points a game, but those same teams the next week are scoring in the mid-30s for some reason when they get some relief. So uh, Fangio's got that defense working pretty well. Um, I worry I got some news uh, right as we went on the air. It doesn't look like uh, Denver's going to have their starting center. He was already questionable, but it looks like he's not going to go, and that worries me a little bit. Um, and we know uh, uh, we've got Locke in there as quarterback, but, uh, you know, I, I, I still just have to go with the team with the better defense here uh, and uh, more to play for. Um, and that's about it. It's a metric play for me. Last week, I spent a lot of time wondering what I was missing with some market support for the Broncos. And after watching that game, even before Bridgewater went down, didn't feel like I was missing a whole lot at the end of the day. And in this case, I'm wondering what reason the market may have to take a strong stance behind either team. So it's a pass for me. The numbers seem about right. Scott, what do you think of this matchup between the Broncos and Raiders? Uh, yeah, let's confirm. Uh, Christian Berry is out. He's on COVID list uh, at center for Denver. I don't have any play on this game. Um, I kind of like what Chris said, though. You got it might, My numbers basically make this a pick em, but um, you got Denver's a better defense, and they're coming off a loss the last time they played the, the Raiders. So, I, you know, I, not that I know that that actually works or not, but I always feel better knowing that they're maybe going to be a little bit more focused knowing they lost to them before. So um, they are 0-5 against the spread the last five times they played the Raiders on the road, but, um, you know, I don't know that that has anything to do with this game. So... Uh, no play for me. I make it basically a pick em And, um, I, you know, Darren Waller's still not practicing. So if they don't have him and this Bronco defense comes uh, comes to play, um, I just don't see the Raiders scoring a lot of points here. So as long as you can get something out of lock and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, um, you know, Denver's probably not a bad play. Yeah, how can this total be over 41? Yeah, I just don't – I mean, how many points is, are the Raiders going to score? Um Especially without Waller. I, I just don't see it. Don't Even see it. with Waller, how many are they going to score? I mean, Cincinnati's offense is a lot better than the Raiders. Uh, that, uh, they that's... are. And, you know, I was looking at this. Um, sorry, I was just trying to. Oh, there's the Raiders. I was just trying to find them here. Um, sorry, bear with me. I mean, they they scored or they, they got 16 points last week. Wasn't very good. They get nine against Kansas City. They get 15 against Washington. Those are, I think, all games without Waller, I believe. Um, 13 against Cincinnati, 14 against Kansas City, 16 against the Giants. They had the one outburst against the, the Cowboys, which was aided by a lot of pass interference calls as well, and they had Waller in that game. All those penalties. I, yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Chris. I don't know how they get really beyond 17 points. Now, Denver hasn't been scoring a ton of points, but – you know, they're, they're facing the Raiders defense here, so they, they should have some options if Locke can just stay out of trouble. Yeah, you know what? I'm adding on the board the under 41.5 on this game. 
All right, sounds like Chris is going to be dominating the YouTube comments the moment we wrap up this recording. Um, and I, I will note that I'm glad you guys had that you know good insight on the total here. If I look to viewers like I was looking off screen or distracted, I just went ahead and added on to that Chiefs-Bills teaser with a little more confidence after Scott's breaking news update. Um, so I had said it was a reduced play for me, but just making that a standard unit on that Kansas City Buffalo teaser this weekend. Um, nothing I'll need to add to the YouTube comments because that's on a graphic everybody will see in a few minutes. Um, but yeah, was happy to add that wager as we record here. Uh, now back in it in the present moment, ready to take us to the home stretch in week 16. Moving on to primetime, Sunday night football, the Washington football team at the Cowboys. Dallas currently laying 10 and a half, total 46 and a half. Got a team total in pocket for you in this matchup. Yeah, I like Dallas over the team total here. Uh, I think it's going to be about 28 and a half. Um, for me, Dallas, number eight in pass offense. They're going to face Washington, number 31 in pass defense. And be interesting to see if Landon Collins, who got hurt in that last game, uh, comes back. And Washington also had some COVID issues in the secondary. So, uh, you know, if, if they're losing the Kendall Fullers, if he's still out, if Collins is out, I don't think he practiced yesterday. It was a walkthrough practice, I think, but he would not have practiced. Uh, that's only that's going to hurt this defense that much more. And and then when I look at it from a pressure standpoint, Dallas number seven in the league in allowing the fewest pressure sack percentage. Washington, as good as that defensive line is, I had to look at this a couple times, but they're number 23 in pressure. So they're not pressuring quarterbacks. Uh, Tyron Smith might be out yet this week. Uh, I don't think he practiced yesterday. Left tackle, obviously key. But Dallas is healthy uh, otherwise. Um, and I've mentioned this many times here. Here, Here's Dallas, a big favorite. Um, and for Dallas, when Dak has started games at home, 13 of those 17 games at home that they've started, that he started, they've scored 31 or more points in. Um, they've also gone over the total in 12 of those 17. Um, this is going back to 2019. Uh, the Washington football team is a road dog of uh, more than four points. They're just one, four, and one against the spread. They typically are getting blown out in those games, and they've allowed 27 or more in four of those six games. This secondary is decimated right now for, for Washington, um, and we got a pretty healthy team in Dallas. I think they'll be able to take advantage of this, score some points, and uh, I've got them pegged for just over 30 points here, so 28 and a half over in the team total um, I think is a fair amount. I think I've got them pegged at – 32, I'll, I'll look it up, but uh, I like him over the team total, 28 and a half. Yeah, a lean on a side for me in this one, that lean would be in the direction of Washington, but I'm not pulling the trigger in all likelihood because this, another team playing its second road game, uh, excuse me, second game in six days, and I think Washington is the only team to have its second road game in that six-day span, uh, so that's enough to keep me on the sidelines for now, given that extreme outlier of a situation. I feel like it's now or never for the Cowboys defense. So, Scott, this might be last call on their team totals over if they're not able to get it home. Although I do feel pretty confident that they'll be able to do some damage against this Washington defense. And I'm looking at the other defense in this one as well, ready to pivot, I think, off of the Cowboys. I like to think I was a bit ahead of the curve when it came to their pass rush, getting those three guys all together, Parsons, Gregory, and Lawrence, showing a lot more promise than their season-long stats would indicate. Uh, but their secondary is a feast or famine unit, and we've seen the Cowboys generate four takeaways each of the last three weeks. I just don't see how that's possibly sustainable. The Cowboys are now number one in the league in EPA off of turnovers, and this time last month, the Colts were number one in EPA off of turnovers by a mile. So that tells me 
a lot about just how much ground the Cowboys have made up. I think they're running unsustainably hot, and that pendulum going to swing the other way sooner rather than later, possibly as soon as this Sunday night. So a lean to the Washington side for me, but that's about it. Chris, what are you looking for on Sunday night football? Oh, I saw this game last week. Uh, They just played different teams, and I expect the exact same thing. I've got better places to put my money in uh, than trying to decide whether a team's going to get a backdoor cover uh, late in the game. You know, Dallas has played the, has lost, uh, is down at the bottom over the last five weeks and lost value versus other teams. But I do anticipate them to improve. So I'm giving them some credit that they were underachieving or due for positive re- uh, regression. But this just seems like the type of game where you're sweating a backdoor cover or something along those lines. Uh, you know, it, this one's on national TV, right? That's the night game. Uh, yeah. So goofy things happen. I, you know, put a gun to my head, I'd probably take the Giants, uh, but I won't be involved in this. You'd probably get no action on the Giants in this matchup between Washington and Dallas. Oh, I mean Washington. Washington yeah. Okay. Cool. Scott, did you have one more point to jump in with as well? I was just going to say, we, we sometimes forget this. Dallas has been on the road for three weeks in a row, so we have not seen them at home uh, in a, over a month. It was Thanksgiving, right, that they played uh, Vegas, I believe, November 25th. So, um, And then they were in Kansas City before that. So four of their last five games have been on the road. Maybe that's you know played into their offensive uh, you know production going down a little bit, and maybe we'll see a little bit more spirited out, uh, uh, effort from them. I will caution, this is another divisional game, higher total um, since week 11 and beyond. These, and this goes all the way back to 1983. These teams uh, tend to come under the total uh, as a whole. So uh, they were 2-1 and one again last week. So um, this does have the making of a lower scoring game just based on that. Although I, I, I do feel that uh, Dallas can get there with the team totals. And maybe I'll regret that, um, but you know we'll see. But just a word of caution on these divisional higher totals uh, late in the year. Yeah, well, we are now 15 games down, one to go for week 16. So let's try to finish on a high note. The Monday nighter, the Dolphins traveling to New Orleans. Another one off the board at the moment at BetUS. It looks like across some of the market, we are now seeing this line having reopened. Miami minus one and a half, total 37 and a half due to some big quarterback COVID news that we got from the Saints this morning. Chris, with that in mind, how are you looking at this matchup? Oh, uh, just with thankfulness because uh, I uh, bet the Denver game yesterday and uh, I was just about to bet New Orleans minus three because it was strengthening toward three and a half. And for whatever reason, I said, "Ah, I'm not going to pull the trigger. And boy, am I glad I didn't pull the trigger. Uh, So uh, I'm just thankful I don't have a bet on this game. Uh, I would have taken New Orleans, but with the fourth string quarterback, I, I just can't. Uh, I can't get involved in this at this point. Um, I suppose if the line got really wacky and I could get a, you know, if I'm a, if I could get a three and a half, I'd get involved in this game. But we won't see it. So, yeah, and I'm thankful uh, for this one as well because I need to tell myself to remember the good breaks we get with all this unpredictability in the news cycle. Last week, I took a bit of a bet on the look-ahead line, Miami, a juicy plus three, laid minus 120. And after the Saints shut out Tampa Bay and Miami was a little sluggish against the Jets, when that line reopened, I certainly wasn't feeling good about my early bet. Uh, And now I see the Dolphins flipping to the favorite for reasons I couldn't have possibly handicapped. So 
you know, sometimes the variance really painful when it swings against you, but also important to keep in mind and appreciate those moments where it works in your favor. Now we'll just see if the Dolphins can go out and take care of business against a depleted Saints quarterback room. And I think they might need that good break as far as the Saints being depleted at quarterback because this is just the Dolphins' second road game since Halloween. And not only have they been at home, but they've been cleaning up against a pretty weak strength of schedule. This is also Miami's first time leaving the Eastern time zone since September. So, Scott, when it comes to that factor in this game, do you think the Dolphins might be coming in a bit overrated because of, you know, just what they've been feasting on recently at home? Or could they be as fresh as the road team will be because they haven't had to travel recently? Uh, they could be fresh. And to your point, they're going to catch a break here, right? Like, they, like, as you said, Matt, they've been playing a lot of bottom feeders here. And I'm not going to call the Saints a bottom feeder because they've got some pretty quality players on that team. And we just saw what they did to Tampa. My God, they shut them out. That's pretty dang impressive. Um, but, you know, they're going to be down to, what, their fourth-string quarterback, basically, right? you got no Winston, no Simeon, no uh, Taysom Hill. You're down to a fourth-string quarterback. Um, I don't know what this is going to – I don't like playing – you know, this total was 38-and-a-half or so. Um I don't like playing low totals like that at NFL. It doesn't take much to get over a total with a few mistakes. Um, but I had this game pegged, you know, a little bit lower scoring as a whole. I, I can't imagine I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a look at the lower total here. But um, I just don't see a lot of points scored in this game. This New Orleans defense is very good, uh, and they're relatively healthy now. We saw what they just did. Um, and and now it, it's just hard to imagine the Saints doing a whole lot on offense here other than just trying to run the ball and, uh, you know, move, move, the, move the ball a little bit on the ground. So could be wrong in that. Uh, Saints are coming in in a pretty bad situation coming off a double-digit win. Um, but I don't – I was looking to actually play Miami in a teaser, uh, possibly, and get it up over seven. Uh, but that, that dream is long gone now. So um, I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. Maybe somehow I'll figure out a way to get involved based on that premise. But for me, right now, nothing. Yeah, I have Miami as the number one team over the last five weeks of, uh, of points gained against the uh, rest of the league. So uh, they're doing a lot of things very well, and it's uh, it's hard to ignore that. Uh, and, boy, I'd really like to get behind this New Orleans team because they've got a lot of other components that are playing well. We saw that in Tampa Bay last week. So, um, uh, But, boy, it's going to be tough. Maybe I'll talk myself into the Saints by, by Monday. We'll see. Well, I was going to follow up with Scott specifically, but after you said that, Chris, a question for both of you. The Dolphins were the team, you know, that was a, a possible teaser candidate before the shakeup this morning. Now, if anybody's getting teased in this game, it's going to be the Saints. But with their fourth string quarterback in play, that could mean a lot of added variance introduced to the equation. Do either of you have any degree of comfort potentially teasing New Orleans in a really low scoring game if this total's accurate? Uh, for I me... Uh, oh, go ahead, Chris. No, go ahead. I want to come think of something to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the hard-hitting I, questions here. Yeah. Uh, just raise your finger when you've thought of something, and I'll stop. But um, I, I just need to find out a little bit more about the quarterback. Honestly, I, I don't know enough about the quarterback to um, to really speak intelligently. If if something can come across where I feel at least there's some competency, you know. And we know we will say this. I mean, we know Sean Payton's going to develop something that's going to put that quarterback in the best position to succeed, et cetera, et cetera. So if I can get confident that, you know, not, not just that they're just not going to fall apart from a quarterback standpoint, shoot, get more than seven at home with that really good defense. 
um, against Miami, who's so-so. That could be inviting, actually. I did see, I, I, did, I can't confirm this. Another thing I saw scroll by, uh, Flores, the coach of Miami, has seen this quarterback before, uh, coached against him, or uh, I think he coached against him in a, in a bowl game. Is this, uh, is this the guy from Notre Dame? Is that, yeah. is that who that is? This? Okay, Ian Book, yeah. right? Okay. So uh, uh, he, so he's already done, a, you know, he's got some familiarity with the guy, uh, which, you know, works uh, against the Saints because usually you like to be able to surprise uh, a backup quarterback uh, with uh, the other team being un- unable to prepare. So uh, that puts him at a little bit of a disadvantage uh, that uh, Flores has uh, familiarity with him. Yeah, all right, well, some next-level analysis to, I think at this point, tie a bow on Week 16. Uh, guys, I know that I am partial, but I'd say that's pretty good work by the three of us these past couple of days in such a crazy news cycle. Uh, I'm not sure where else anybody's finding this level of analysis for all 16 games on such a wacky board. So hopefully this is providing some good value to the audience. I know I'm having a blast doing it with you guys. And as we hit the home stretch here, let's take a look at our best bets for week 16. We do have some consensus here. Chris and I got the Rams leg of a teaser home on Tuesday. We both took them down to minus one against the Seahawks. So now hoping the Packers can just take care of business against the Browns on Christmas. Uh, Not showing up here, but Chris sounds like you're also in play on that Chiefs-Bills teaser. So a good week for teaser consensus. We'll keep our fingers crossed there. Chris, why don't you walk us through the rest of your card, um, some games pictured here, as well as a few that you've added over the course of this show. So talk us through that and what you consider your best bet for Week 16. Well, I can't read it because it's all tiny on my screen, but <laughs> I think, I know I have Denver uh, pick them, and yep. I added the Denver under uh, 41 and a half, and uh, I you got De- Detroit plus five and a half, uh, Indy at a pick, and Rams Green Bay teaser. Oh, okay, yeah, the, the Indy at a pick, which uh, that's a little dicey, but uh, um and uh, I like the Lions with any quarterback. Uh, if, if Goff is in there, um, boy, do I really like that play. That's all I'm going to say. I probably should have said it during the, the, uh, the talk. I really like that play if Goff plays. All good bringing it up now. It really rewards the audience that sticks around to the end for this. So no harm done there. Uh, in addition to that Rams-Packers teaser, I'm on the Jags team total under 20 half. And a teaser with the Bills, plus eight and a half, tied to the Chiefs, minus one and a half. And thanks to Scott's breaking news update during our show, I'll go ahead and say that Bills-Chiefs teaser, my favorite bet for week 16 at this point. Scott, walk us through your card and your favorite bet of the week. Yeah, the two plays we've got here are Cincinnati-Baltimore over 45 and Dallas uh, team total over 28 and a half. Uh, I'm going to go with the Dallas team total over 28 and a half. Uh, They're coming home after beating on the road for three games. Um, and they are fairly healthy other than the left tackle potentially being out. If he plays, that's even a bigger boost. And this Washington secondary has not been good this year. They're decimated. Um, I I think this is an opportunity for Dallas to get right offensively, and we'll go over the 28-and-a-half. I've got him pegged for about 32.2 points, so we got a little bit of value there. We're we're, uh, obviously under the the key numbers of 30 and 31, so I like the over uh, 28-and-a-half. Nice. And of course, we have mentioned previously, but one more friendly reminder, we will probably be dropping in some bets in the comment section below this video over the next couple of days as we get more information to inform our week 16 wagering decisions. So stay tuned there for some additional plays leading up to kickoff. 
And otherwise, I think we can put our Week 16 breakdown in the books, guys, to our YouTube audience. Thanks again for tuning in. Give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and a programming note as we wrap things up here. Same, same schedule for us next week ahead of New Year's Eve. The Pick Show coming to you Thursday, December 30th at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, and our regular time on Tuesday. And of course, that means we will be back live with you on Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific for our early look at week 17. Until then, everybody, have a safe and Merry Christmas. And we will see you Tuesday right back here at BetUS where the game begins.